What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Kevin McCarthy, the former House Speaker, in his first interview since leaving Congress. He's not giving up on his party. The only place Republicans have the majority is the House. Don't give the power over to the Senate. Lead and move forward. Did I lose my job for leading? Yes, I did, but I'd do it all over again. And the group of lawyers and investors pushing back on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Semaphore's Liz Hoffman reports corporate DEI policies may face a wind down, and CEOs might be okay with it. They don't want to spend this much time talking about it. They don't want to keep getting yelled at by Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy. They just want to do their jobs. Those conversations, plus the latest in the Boeing fuselage break, Tiger Woods parts ways with Nike and Pepsi products European goodbye. Tostitos, Doritos. Yeah, all the toes. It's Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And yes, the gang is all here. First time we've all been together yeah, in a very a long while. time. And it's going to be that this yep. way for a while, I think. We're going to Davos? We're here yep. together, right? We're Sunday. traveling together. Sunday. Sunday. Let's, uh, Boeing. It's a date. That's Pick things up a little here. Let's uh, find out exactly what happened and fix it pronto. Not just for us, but for everyone. Loose hardware? Uh, yeah, right. it's a concerning issue. They're going to be looking. We'll talk about this a lot more in just yep. a moment. Uh, they're going to be looking at uh, many different aircraft and not just the, the, the MAX 9 at this point, too. Let's uh, bring you an update on that very topic of Boeing, the grounding of 171 Boeing planes now. The United States saying yesterday that it found loose bolts on door plugs of several Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes during its inspections. Alaska Airlines later saying it found loose hardware as well and that no aircraft would be returned to service until formal, formal reviews are complete. Alaska has 65 of the MAX 9 planes in its fleet. United has 79 of them. CEO Dave Calhoun, that of Boeing, canceling a company leadership summit that was supposed to take place this week. Now uh, plans to hold an all-employee uh, call today. Boeing shares, meanwhile, closing down by about 8% yesterday. And supplier Spirit Aerosystem, which makes the fuselage for the 737, slid by 11%. How much of it is the issue of the fuselage? So much of it is how these these sort of fake doors or or, or what are called plugs, which are the which in place of the door. Um, I don't know how much of that is a, a Boeing function. How much it's the well, ultimately, it's Boeing the screws themselves. For it, exactly. But I don't know who puts the the plugs in the door holes. Right. I, I, I haven't been. It hasn't been clear on that. They've also found we, uh, you know, bolts that haven't been completely tightened in in other areas in the planes recently. In a perfect world, you'd want your fuselage to be one, <clears throat> one single, right. bolt, whatever you make it out of the great steel that we use. 
And if you're going to do, you know, be flexible where it can be a bigger or smaller jet and you leave a place for a door which needs to be filled, this is, hence, we have, but, and, I mean, it, this, it, this, this is, is not, the, this is not the only plane that does that, and but, it, it, hasn't, but it is a, it hasn't been a huge major problem uh, right. uh, up until this happened, this, but you're, all, doing, you're doing that because it's cheaper to make one version of the fuselage and then quickly slap in the parts to personalize it and customize it for different airlines. You're right. In a perfect world, you wouldn't have. You'd have a single right. fuselage just because of the enormous amounts of pressure. stress and pressure. I mean, every you think about the G's just when you're banking one of those. The, it's the amazing the, the, that those the, things even fly. Where the door plug flew out, again, was only in service. For, it had only been delivered a couple of months prior. At the beginning November, of November. Yeah. An update right now on a story that we told you about last week. Carrefour supermarkets in several European countries will no longer carry Pepsi and Lay's products. But now Carrefour and PepsiCo are arguing about who actually initiated that split. A spokesman for PepsiCo said yesterday, regrettably, Carrefour has mischaracterized the chain of events. Given the lack of agreement on a new contract, we stopped supplying to Carrefour at the end of the year, something they were aware could happen. In response, Carrefour, Carrefour responded, we at the Carrefour Group have taken this decision. Since last summer, Carrefour has been publicly calling out suppliers and increasing pressure on them to bring down prices. It began attaching labels to products in September, warning shoppers of shrinkflation in which there's less product in the package for the same retail price. PepsiCo and Carrefour have been in negotiations for several months on new price listings, but uh, this could be a tomato-tomato, potato-potato type of situation. There was disagreement. They couldn't reach that agreement, and as a result, um, those products are no longer available. Pepsi has said that they hope that they can reach an agreement, but I, it sounds like a pretty um, hairy negotiation. Well, I ain't shopping at a place that doesn't have Pepsi products. Well, you may be out of luck when you're in Davos. Well, that's tough. I'm not, uh, and I'm not talking about Pepsi products. You know what I'm talking about. You're talking about Lay's products. Actually, I'm not eating any Tostitos, of those right now. Doritos. Yeah, all the, all the toes. Tiger Woods' uh, 27-year partnership with Nike has come to an end. The superstar golfer announced the news yesterday uh, in a statement on X. He said, uh, Phil Knight's passion and vision uh, brought this Nike and Nike golf partnership together. And I want to personally thank him, along with the Nike employees and incredible athletes I've had the pleasure of working with along the way. Nike confirmed the news on uh, Instagram with a picture of Woods in his iconic red polo, uh, saying it was a heck of a run. Rumors of Woods' departure have been circulating uh, for months. And, yeah. I'm just curious as a golfer, what do you think? Um, do you think he's going to go off and make his own... I don't know what Golf he's. Stuff. I don't know what he's going to. He. In, There's rumors of another deal. Right, another deal yeah. that he's going to do either with somebody else, either for just for clothes. Will it be for golf clubs? Will it was, it be the whole thing? What's the uh, Roger Federer? There was rumors on, that it could but be they on. said that there were that that's not. Oh, did they that, say that, definitively? Yeah. Okay, they, they said that that wasn't rumors. happening. I mean, it, there's rumors he goes elsewhere for this. I'd heard that Nike wasn't quite as involved with golf as. Well, they had stopped. They had, they had stopped making golf products yeah. effectively, except for the except for the clothes, right? Probably the clubs didn't work for them. Probably that simple. I was happy. What, why? I just. I don't, Nike has been disappointing to me at times recently. So you have, okay. I always bring up Michael Jordan, who I, I right. love, and that you know Republicans buy sneakers right. too. So just let's not make it. And Nike has 
has gone far afield from from that attitude. And, and Tiger's pretty cool about about things like that and money. You know, he's never been political ever. Well, there's been a as very you, as you know. I, look. I, I think it's great to see a relationship in where both sides are pretty respective of the other. Well, but, I mean, Nike too. stuck with him during the, the toughest of times. Yes. He, yeah. in many ways, you could that's argue, owed Nike too. more yeah. than Nike owed him yeah. at that point. But, that's, but that's it's true. nice to see a long relationship that doesn't right. end acrimoniously. Right. Other golfers like Phil, they, they sometimes, you know, Phil had different reasons. For, and, and then you go to new equipment, and it's like you got, sometimes you have to change your, it actually does make a difference on, on you know, Phil had a little bit of slump when he went to Callaway. But. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy in his first interview since leaving the House floor. He has some advice for his Republican colleagues still in Washington. President Biden's current numbers are lower than any in modern history, lower than Jimmy Carter. This could be the best opportunity for this country to grow economically and grow for the party itself. And they're missing the opportunity right now. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Former Speaker of the House and now former Congressman Kevin McCarthy is living his first few weeks as a private citizen. The California Republican departed his House seat on December 31st after a wild year. He was elected House Speaker in early January 2023, following 15 rounds of voting, and was out of the job in October after narrowly averting a government shutdown. McCarthy's departure leaves the Republican Party with a majority of just seven votes in the House. His seat will be filled in a special election in March. McCarthy joined our TV broadcast this morning. Here's Joe Kernan. Our next guest uh, left Congress just over a week ago. Joining us now for his first national TV interview uh, since then, former uh, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. And uh, it's, it's hard to say former speaker all the time. So, but, And then again, I don't know. I, if I keep saying speaker, people get confused because... Oh, we've had a few. And in, in re- what, 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 what do we go with, Mr. McCarthy? Or, or what, what, what do we do, Kevin? Whatever you want to call me, it's fine with me. But once a speaker, always a speaker. Yeah, once a speaker, always a speaker. So I'm going to do that. So um, it's good to see you. How how you doing? How you feeling? How is everything? You you watching from afar now? Are you uh, you pulling your you pulling your hair out? Do you 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 opining more? You you going to come on unvarnished? I could always come on. I've been busy. I had. Once the new year, I had jury duty, and then I had to replace my hot water heater that broke um, and flooded my garage. So I, I've been busy so far. I think it's, a cold, it's a cold water heater, isn't it? Uh, it's a hot water heater. Then you wouldn't need it. Yeah. 
Hey, do you think, is this going to fly? How do you think uh, the new speaker, after what was another crazy, uh, uh, you, you watched that happen, and, and it, it was, you were there for that. I thought it might be you again. How do you think it's going with, with him in, in that part of the caucus that you had such trouble with? Well, look, this is a very difficult job. But the one thing I would say is don't let somebody else define what conservative is. Um, if you look at the Fiscal Responsibility Act, the simple question would be, will we spend more money or less money? If this goes into effect, you will spend less money. Right now, we're dealing in a continuing resolution because a small group of Republicans have held this up for how many months? In doing so, what does that mean? It means we spend billions of more money. It means defense gets less and non-defense gets more if you continue down this path. It also means all the Democrat policies when they were in the majority are locked in. So as a conservative, what we were able to negotiate in the Fiscal Responsibility Act was two trillions in cuts, welfare reform, NEPA reform in the first, um, first time in 40 years. We were able to cut the IRS. And what, what Speaker Johnson was able to do, take an extra $10 billion in cuts to the IRS that we had put in the agreement to come into effect next year, move it up one year, and $6 billion more of that rescissions of money that was already appropriated for COVID that was not spent, that wasn't available when we negotiated this, that has now come forward to pull that back too. So as a true conservative, you need to get the work done because you spend more under a continuing resolution or not. And you keep democratic policies if you don't pass the Republican appropriation bills. So I don't understand why people would continue to argue. I'm a conservative that wants to govern. And if you govern, you're able to put into law your conservative beliefs. I think that's the, uh, that, that was the title of the, the piece in the journal uh, today. Uh, speaker, and that was uh, Speaker Johnson's spending deal. House Republicans have a chance to show that they can actually govern. So you, that, that, that's exactly what you're saying. Exactly. I mean, maybe I'll get a job at the editorial price at the Wall well, Street Journal. We, we also spoke to our, our, one of our Washington people today, and she noted that there is, there's a lot of, of things happening uh, with these, you know, it's almost like a shell game, some of these budget negotiations. It's hard to understand. Does it actually take an additional uh, amount off spending from what you negotiated with the president? Well, it's in essence, is the, remember, we passed the Fiscal Responsibility Act. And remember this, two-thirds of the Republicans voted for that deal. That was the debt ceiling deal. That's one of the highest numbers you have found. And equate that to what were the debt ceiling deals when Republicans controlled the White House, the House and the Senate, they added a trillion dollars and we cut two trillion. What we were able to do in this, the only difference from the agreement before was this actually moving up the 10 billion that we were going to additional we were getting the IRS because this takes us to about 21 billion. And you have to remember this. It's already in law about $80 billion to hire more IRS agents going into the future. They're only going to spend $1.2 billion the first year. We took that back. We took another 10 and another 10 the next year. He moved that 10 forward. And then there was the rescissions of that unspent COVID money that about $24 billion we got earlier. A new $6 billion came online that was not spent that Johnson was able to get. So in essence, it's the extra $6 billion into this agreement, which is less money. And the real question is, you have to pass appropriation bills if you want to change the democratic policies we've been living under when they were in the majority. 
you said it's a tough job, and, and it is. And you know, people say, if you don't like the weather somewhere, just, just wait 12 hours, and it, and it can change. That's almost like the house. If you don't like the makeup of the house, just wait a little while, and it's going to change. Is that going to have to happen before Speaker Johnson can feel totally comfortable uh, that he's got a, a, a group of Republicans that, that are going to let him lead and do, do what he wants to do? Look, if, if I sat back and waited for someone to let me lead, it never was going to happen. Uh, the real question, I say, is the only place Republicans have the majority is the House. Don't give the power over to the Senate. Lead and move forward. Um, did I lose my job for leading? Yes, I did, but i do it all over again. Look at where the world looks like today with war breaking out, questions about the leadership within America. You've got a president that doesn't know where his Secretary of Defense even is. He's got a border rampant running over. You've got an economic issue going. This could be the best opportunity for Republicans to show their policies and actually win come November. The last thing you would want is to be sitting down in a government shutdown that benefits the president that you take all his mistakes off the table. Show you can govern in a manner that runs government in a more efficient, effective, and accountable way and prove to the American public that you deserve to grow your majority, win the Senate, and replace the individual in the White House. That is a perfect opportunity that you've had. The President Biden's current numbers are lower than any in modern history, lower than Jimmy Carter. This could be the best opportunity for this country to grow economically and grow for the party itself. And they're missing the opportunity right now. Can we, uh, can we look at each one individually? I'm talking about the sure. four branches of government. That are there four? Four branches of government? <laughs> I'm kidding. Looking at it. No, yeah. The, the You're looking at me. I'm looking at you. The, 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 I'm looking at you, kids. The judiciary. The judiciary. Uh, some Democrats think that that's, that's the fourth branch. Uh, no, I was kidding. So let's do the three. I know there's three, and I know there's not 57 states. Uh, but <laughs> let's do the three. So it, for, for the House, there are some that say it's more likely that, that Republicans take the Senate versus the House. And I also want to know what you're involved with with uh, the presidential race. Who were who you talking to? At the, have you talked to President Trump in the last, former President Trump, have you talked to him in the last month, Mr. Speaker? Yes, and I support President Trump uh, for re-election, too. Um, but let's walk through this. The, okay, the, pundits that, the pundits who say the House will flip, I've been, I've been the leader for five years. We never lost in the House. The Republicans lost in the Senate, the presidency, the governors, and everywhere else. We actually won five new seats in California when Pelosi was speaker and I was leader. They said we would lose 15 seats when Biden won uh, election with 82 million votes. It was the first time since 1994 not one Republican incumbent in the House lost. The Senate lost for two cycles. I believe it's easier for Republicans to gain seats in this next election than it was in the last two elections. There's redistricting that just happened in North Carolina. We'll pick up three, maybe four seats. You've got um, Spamberger retiring in Virginia. There's more Democrats retiring than Republicans. You've got Slotkin running for the Senate in Michigan. These are two competitive seats we'll pick up. You look at Alaska. We'll win that seat. That's been uh, more, <laughs> the Republicans get 60% of the vote, but the Democrat has won because they got this um, system up there that it's a ranked system. We'll narrow that and get that right. I believe there's another seat in California, uh, 
the um, Congresswoman's running for the Senate that we'll pick up there. So we will pick up seats. I know they have to do redistricting in New York, but if yeah. you look at the trend in upper New York, it's going more Republican. You look at the crime, you look at the immigration. And if Biden is on the ticket, the Senate will go Republican. I know they lost the last two cycles. I believe they'll win this time. I believe that we will win the presidency if Biden is the nominee on the Democratic side. And you expect that? I expect that. It, it, look, the, the expectations that you see, we're, we're walking into this Iowa caucus. That, that weather is cold, but that will determine a lot in New Hampshire. Both nominees will be selected by around March 15th. So this will be a longer campaign than notice. And if this campaign is about rebuilding, restoring, and renewing America, Donald Trump will win. If it's about revenge, it's going to be a very competitive race. Who's the, whose choice is it about whether it's looking forward or looking backward? If it, if it, you know, President Trump has trouble focusing uh, on anything other than uh, what he feels like was a stolen election in 2020. You know what? It's always up to the candidate themselves. The reason why we won in the House, and remember how we won the last two cycles why Republicans were losing everywhere else. We elected the most women and the most minorities. The quality of the candidate matters the most. We've proven we can win in New York, in Oregon, in California, in Arizona, places that Republicans on other tickets were losing. It's the qualities like the Juan Siscomanis, right? It's uh, the Michelle Steeles. It's uh, Lori Chavez Dreamer. The quality of these candidates are amazing, and that's the attraction that you get more people into the mix and you challenge based upon policies. But it also stems back to what we've been talking about today. Republicans have to show that they can govern. It's a great contrast to where President Biden is today. Think for one moment if you had a secretary of defense with war breaking out around the world and you're the leader of the free world and you don't even know he's in the ICU and nothing happens. You've got a border that has more people crossing it in one month that are caught on the terrorist watch list than the last entire administration. That, that's, that's a very concerning issue. You've got an economy that you want to run on that no one believes is helpful. What do you think, how do you think former President Trump would govern if in fact he became the president again? Uh, not just from a policy perspective, but from a polarization perspective, uh, from a what happens at the end of that term perspective. I mean, there was a moment, obviously, after January 6th, where even you said, uh, I've had it with this guy. Well, that, that wasn't the term I used, but it's, it's, that was another member. Um, the thing I would say that how would he govern well, I would hope he would even be better than he was before because we watched what he did on policy where the economy was stronger. We didn't have war in Europe. Our border was secure. I believe at the end of the day when you're going to a ballot, people are looking at how does it affect them personally. And they're watching from a gas price. From a That's the decision they're going to make. I believe people get better with 10,000 hours. I also believe people get better when they get humbled and from the aspect he didn't win the last election, so there is improvement there, hopefully. It also is who gets around you. Um, look at the tax policy that he was able to create. Look at um, the aspect of rebuilding the military at the same time. Look at the ability that we are able to do with the Abraham Accords. I would hope if we built on the Abraham Accords, we wouldn't have had what is happening in the Middle East today. Um, and I think that overwhelmingly shows that it would be a much stronger nation and a safer world. Kevin, just to put a fine yes. point on it, because I mentioned and you said it was wrong, and I just want to make sure that I, I'm not wrong. This was on tape when you said I've had it with this guy.
I've, I've had it with this guy. Uh, what he did is unacceptable. Um, nobody can defend that and nobody should defend it. I don't remember saying then, that I had it with this guy. And then guy, you went so on to, I mean, not then, but then quite publicly, you said he, bear, quote, bears responsibility uh, for what happened on January 6th. I mean, th- these, are, these are comments that you made. Uh, you said that uh, uh, it was atrocious and totally wrong. I, I only say it just because you had said it was wrong, and I, I wanted to, if there's an uh, opportunity well, th- th- to clarify. That's, fa- that, 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 that's very fair within there. If you watch a speech on the floor, I said he had some responsibility for January 6th, but in the press is what I said. A lot of people had responsibilities for January 6th. And then since that time, we've learned a lot of new information at the same time. And the one thing I've always thought in a presidential election, I'm always looking uh, what I think it should be looking forward in the aspiration of where this nation should go. It's very clear that the American people get to decide who these nominees are going to be. Well, right now, you know, the two front runners are President Trump and President Joe Biden. And do I know, was the world a safer place under President Trump? That's an easy question. We didn't have to evacuate five embassies. We didn't have war in Ukraine. We didn't have the Middle East uprising. We didn't have North Korea testing new missiles just recently as, as well. D- did we have a stronger economy? Yes, we did have a stronger economy. We had uh, uh, the fuel price even lower. We didn't have inflation with the runaway spending. We had a secure border. If you poll the American public today, all the issues I just talked about are the top concerns to the American public. And that's what elections are about ideas. Now, if there's a personality difference that people dislike, they're able to make those own decisions. But I know my children and the country will be in a safer place and be stronger in the future. If these are the two choices I had, it's not a difficult choice to make to support President Trump over Joe Biden's policies. Do you remember the last time, well, you don't remember, do you remember the last time two incumbents were battling each other for president? Kevin, do you know when that was? I'm going to tell no, you. No, help me. 1888, uh, Former Democratic President Grover Cleveland defeated incumbent Republican President Benjamin Harrison. But it's very rare to have two people that well, have been president running against each other. So I don't know. It's about the only. Uh, if you, I'm looking for a silver lining for having these two candidates, uh, Kevin. Um, who, how well, about a VP? How about a vice president? Who do you think Trump should pick for, for vice president? And who should President Biden pick? <laughs> well, if President Biden changes his VP, then he's acknowledging he's got problems. So I don't think that's going to that change. That won't happen. Yeah. <laughs> but um, looking forward, I always think of vice president. And, and they've changed as process goes. I mean, a lot of people would select Who a would vice say president yes? based upon. I think a lot of people would say you yes. Do. I mean, okay. think from one perspective. If, if you're looking for a Republican VP and if your, nominate, if your nominee is President Trump, he can only serve one term. You would be, in effect, right, right. the leader of the party and have the best chance to run. So it will be a very coveted position. Um, normally, you would select somebody that is a governor of a state that would add to the ticket because we go from electoral college. I don't think that plays in as much. I always believe whoever the VP is selected should be the individual who adds, doesn't subtract. So where are you weak um, when you look back? Uh, unvarnished, unhinged. Well, not unhinged. Unvarnished is a better word. <laughs> Hope to see you again soon, uh, uh, Mr. Speaker. And uh, we live in interesting times. We have to, I say that a lot lately, but thank you. Thank you very much. Up next on Squawk Pod, the diversity, equity, and inclusion push is getting pushed back. 
Semaphore's business editor Liz Hoffman has a scoop. A group of lawyers and investors are planning a lawsuit against corporate DEI policies, claiming they hurt shareholders. Hoffman says it's part of a larger movement. Chief diversity officers used to be a direct report to the CEO. I mean, a lot of those jobs are turning over and getting de-emphasized anyway, which is why I think some of these critics will be pushing on an open door when and if they do sue. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Up and Andrew, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. We got a lot going on this morning. And we got a call from Morgan Stanley this morning uh, betting on betting. The analysts there naming DraftKings and Las Vegas Sands as top picks in 2024. The price target uh, for DraftKings, uh, $40. Las Vegas Sands, 59 They say DraftKings... Uh, is poised for a material ramp-up in profitability in 2024 as new states are launched and they refine their national marketing approach. As for uh, LVS, they see potential for Macau to stay resilient uh, and to grow despite China's slowing GDP. I can't help but think of what AI will do for, for betting. And I don't know whether it will just help them make even more money by getting the spreads exactly right, or what can I actually use it to get a better feel for how to bet? But how do they do it now? Because you, they are so good at, yeah. at those spreads. Yes. What, is that all algorithms? Or, is it money? I don't know. So it, it must be they're, they're monitoring what comes in. I, get, I, don't, I don't know how bookmakers, and bookmakers have been doing it for years. They know yeah. exactly how to do yeah. but they're, it. But It predates AI. But every, every, I'm, I'm shocked every day when I see how consistently they, they nail the... It's got to have something to do with money flows. Got to have it to do with money flows. But will AI help me? Can I put in chat, chat GPT, GPT like last night? Today? Could yeah. I have put in... Actually, I'd like to see you try that for a while. Let's see how that goes. If Michigan's away. offensive line outweighs Washington's by 1,500 pounds, which I didn't realize so I started watching the game... It's, that's not going to help. It's, I'd like to see you try that as a new system. Can you look up ChatGPT and ask if I, if I can use it for betting? I can ask. Ask right now. whether. I'll see what, what it says. Can you help me be better at betting on. on yes, a, stop betting. I think like wild card weekend. Stop gambling. You won't lose any money. Wild card. I have, I've, been, I've been. I'm up. I'm up. I'm up. You're like an addict. <laughs> Diversity, equity, and inclusion policies at companies across the country uh, now may be at risk of being interrupted after a group of lawyers and investors are considering using corporate law to challenge DEI policies, claiming they may have deprived shareholders of talent and violated employment laws. It's a fascinating twist 
in what has been a fascinating ongoing story. Our next guest outlined uh, this case in her most recent letter. Joining us right now is uh, Liz uh, Hoffman, Semaphore uh, Business and Finance Editor. I shouldn't say letter. Do we call it? It's a newsletter, really, but maybe we could call it a letter. It's like I'm, reading a I'm letter. I'm a reporter. I write stories, and there's some uh, there's some great content around them twice and a week. And a CNBC contributor as well. Liz, so, so tell us what's happening here, because there has been a real sort of sea change, and it, it is coincided with what we're seeing in academia uh, now moving into the corporate world. Yeah, I mean, the same just massively quickly shifting political winds um, have really done a 180 on, you know, it was just four or five years ago that companies were being pressured really to adopt these really ambitious targets, some people might call them quotas, which is sort of how we got here, um, to really diversify their workforces. And it was, you know, wildly overdue um, at the time. Uh, but the world's changed. And these are uh, really soft spots, I think, for uh, critics of these policies to go after. There's there's sort of a really soft underbelly here. But what do you think of the shareholder lawsuits and, and the entire thing? There's been a, a industrial complex uh, that has grown up in the last five years around DEI. Yeah, look, I think the wind was already kind of coming out of the sails. I mean, if if you look, you know, chief diversity officers used to be a direct report to the CEO. I mean, a lot of those jobs are turning over and getting de-emphasized anyway, which is why I think some of these critics will be pushing on an open door um, when and if they they do sue. Look, the theory here is that companies have been violating federal employment law, number one, exposing themselves to big liability uh, for which they would presumably have to pay shareholders money to fix. The other is that they're depriving shareholders of the best talent. Um, I think the latter is going to be pretty tough to prove. There's a plenty of studies out there that actually companies had been overlooking talent the other way by being um, by being not diverse enough and too prescriptive in who they were hiring. Is there real liability here? Maybe. Um, I will say some of the cases that have been filed more by what I would call the ideological wing of this movement rather than the professional wing that's starting to pick it up now. These are kind of Stephen Miller, Edward Bloom, these these interest groups haven't done that well. Uh, They sued Starbucks, got dismissed in the fall. Uh, They're targeting IBM, doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Uh, But the truth is that these are just early. There's not a lot of legal uh, history behind it, but people are looking really closely. And I suspect ultimately they'll find what they're looking for, which is that these policies probably haven't been uh, fairly applied. Right. Uh, More broadly, is there a sea change happening inside companies, irrespective of what shareholders do, around what the policies look like, what the targets look like, et cetera? Yeah, I think this whole movement may actually provide a little air cover for executives who are getting kind of cold feet about the whole thing anyway. Not to say that they don't care about these issues. They do. Um, but I think they were sort of begrudgingly forced to really quickly kind of change so many ways about how they run the company day to day. And CEOs just have, frankly, bigger fish to fry. They don't want to spend this much time talking about it. They don't want to keep getting yelled at by Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy. They just want to do their jobs. And ultimately, I think if there's a little bit of political air cover to take their foot off the gas here, they will. I actually think the first place you'll see it, a lot of these things were baked into executive bonus metrics. Um, And I think a lot of us were actually pretty impressed when that happened because no one's going to change anything that they don't get paid to change. I actually think that that might be where companies start to get a bit squeamish if they start ba- start baking into how they pay people. They might have some liability, and you might see those policies start to change next year. What do you make? Um, we're we're here in the Nasdaq, and we got only thirty seconds. But the Nasdaq, you know, was one of the early uh, companies 
to put out a policy affecting, uh, effectively requiring uh, the disclosure and an explanation around board composition. Yeah, for their companies that are listed there. Yeah, yep. I I think that's probably okay. These are listing rules. There's competition for listing. I can't remember exactly what the New York Stock Exchange did, but it, it's less prescriptive. It's saying if you're not going to have a diverse board, we want to know why, because there's actually a lot of research that says it's helpful um, for performance. Uh, I think that's a that's probably a private, there's no like uh, God-given right to list on NASDAQ. I think they'll probably be fine, but you might see some of that start to change. Liz Hoffman, always good to see you. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. That's Squawk Pod for today. As always, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.